Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right. Welcome, everyone, to Arcan and Mego. I guess that's what we are today. Christian, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's nice to it's nice to have my name on another show. It's been like it's like the fifth one in the last two weeks. We had Arcan and Dondero, Arcan and Thompson, Arcan and Fitzy, Arcan and Everett. Now it's Arcan and Matt. Finally, but you're always first. We got a Twitter account. Fitzy and Kyrie. <laughs> there we go. That was yesterday. That guy's right? been busy. Our voice guy has been very busy here the last. Uh, We're back. Weeks. It's Arcan and Kyrie <laughs> on <laughs> all sorts of different shows. But it's good to be here. Good to see you back here. I think technically you get top billing, so you have that going. Whatever. For you. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I would like to say that we're going to start off on a high note today, but given everything that happened last night, uh, if you haven't been living under a rock, it's kind of hard to say that. Uh, we're all tuned in on the uh, Demar story, the Demar Hamlin story of the awful injury that happened last night. So I'm just going to dive right into it, Christian. I, I'm sure I know you were watching it live because I was texting with you. Yeah. Uh, what was your initial reaction as that was unfolding? Um, to see the reactions, I think everyone sort of pointed to that as the main kind of driver as to how serious it was. Uh, you've seen people get knocked unconscious before. You've seen guys fall down before. You know, like those are all sorts of things that aren't, unfortunately, uh, that unusual to see in a, in a professional football game or, you know, other sports too in the NBA, um, in hockey. Like you see, you see things like this. But watching Josh Allen and watching the other team and sort of everybody else, I remember some of the reaction. Like I remember the reaction of Gordon Hayward. You saw guys praying. You saw guys holding the hand. Like this, that was like nothing compared to this. This was the most serious, dramatic, uh, really awful uh, thing I've seen in sports maybe ever like it was just it was it was so uh, it was so gripping and the broadcast I know I mean they did the best they could and I know the NFL obviously is taking a lot of heat for what they did today um, but what it first reminded me of just because of my age I guess probably was Reggie Lewis uh, that's immediately what I, what I thought of Reggie Lewis in a game this is before he died but in a game against I think Charlotte he passed out on the court he fainted and was just sort of sitting there, and there's this famous image of him sort of sitting with his hands on his knees uh, on the court, looking like, you know, uh, like something was wrong. And then a couple of weeks later, I think he passed away, and that's the first thing that sort of popped up to me. When they started talking about performing CPR and uh, th- that whole thing, I mean, it's that that's unprecedented in our lifetimes. I know that there's, you know, back in the 50s there were things that happened, but like in our lifetimes, I don't think there's ever been anything really comparable to this and the fact that it happened in the first quarter 
to try and get him to play the rest of the game. I know that that was a whole thing, but it's just, yeah, it, it was it was hard to sleep last night. Like, that's not even a player I was really familiar with or a team I even care about, but just watching that and sort of seeing it all, it just it left a real mark. It left an imprint. Absolutely. Uh, there's so many talking points on this that we're going to address, so many layers to the story. We also are going to get to the Patriots later in the show. We're going to be joined by Ross Tucker to mm. talk NFL. We're going to talk a little bit about the Winter Classic and the Bruins with Andrew Raycroft uh, in about an hour and a half, and we're also going to have have uh, sports medicine doctor Jess Flynn. She's going to join us around five o'clock, I believe, to just talk about the implications of going into cardiac arrest at the age of 24, the way that Damar Hamlin did last night. For me, in the moment, it was it was bizarre because I think this was maybe the biggest Monday night football game of the year so far. Uh, it was so built up. I even put up, like, I never watched Monday Night Countdown, to yeah. be honest. It's a huge like, I game. Just, but I had it on for for an, at least an hour before the game started just because I was so excited to watch these two quarterbacks go against each other. And it's a rare matchup, and it had such had such big implications for the playoffs and especially for us here in Boston, in New England. And to see it unfold that way in the very beginning, mm. the image, because, you know, if – if you're well-versed in football, in the NFL, you see the hit with T. Higgins and yeah. the tackle, and you don't see anything really traumatic there. There's nothing There's nothing dramatic or unusual about that hit. Didn't hit his head. But what was scary was, was just the way that he fell back mm. because football players, you know, you, you hit, you get a hit, and you get hit, and the immediate reaction is to pop back up. That's what we see it all the time. Right. And then you see him, this young man, just collapse on his back, completely defenseless, didn't try to brace himself or anything. And that, in that very split second, even before we see, you know, tears streaming down his teammates' faces and everything, every, all those awful images. And I think some of those images, us, the audience, were protected from if you sure. stayed up and watched Scott Van Pelt after they did a terrific job in the Sports Center broadcast, but talking about what they got in the uh, ESPN kind of in studio feed and what we didn't see from the reactions from the players. All that to say, I felt that immediately the reaction of him falling onto the turf was like, okay, something is extremely wrong here because that's not the way that we see people react to a concussion, a head injury, anything like that. Um, and then the moments after that, when they just kept cutting to break. And then cutting back to Susie in studio and trying to see the broadcast team scramble to be respectful, but also try to provide some information as it was developing. Right. I can't. I can't think of another moment to your point that was like that. And it was just um, my first reaction was, you know, obviously you want you want him to be okay. You want him to come right back. You want. You want to see him sit up and be talking and everybody clapping as he's able to walk off the field and everything. Um, but I also think, I, I also in the moment thought of T. Higgins. And I think I feel like that's something that we haven't talked about that much um, or that I haven't heard talked about that much because and we'll talk to Jess Flynn later in the show, but there's all these uh, imp- all these speculations about, you know, did he have an underlying heart condition? Was it an arrhythmia? Was it this or that? And everybody has people in their life who has had heart disease or a heart, uh, you know, situation in one way or another and trying to re- reflect something on that. And I'm thinking of T. Higgins. This is the guy who's directly involved in the hit. And it seems like, if anything, you know, this was just a wrong 
wrongly timed unfortunate incident. Yeah. And so he didn't do anything wrong. No, absolutely. He had the ball. Not. Like they, yeah. Hamlin was tackling him. Like there's nothing there's nothing you can worry about there. Sometimes ball carriers lower their head and uh, you know, hit somebody and that's you know, they've been trying to get that out of the game, but that wasn't any of this. There was nothing unusual really about the hit at all. Uh Higgins did sort of charge into him with his shoulder, but a shoulder into a chest that's a legal totally football. Totally legal play. move. Totally legal. You see that all the move. time. It's just, you know, this is just a a situation where, and I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about this guy's history or, or whatever, but it, it seemed like there's, you know, a dozen hits every weekend that are worse than that. Yeah. And that you watch and say, ooh, I wish they'd get those kind of hits out of the game. Ooh, I wish they'd, you know, stop And with some of them are totally legal, too. Right. Some of them are just brutal hits, you know, where you hear the pads clash and you go, oh, God. Yeah. Like, and I know, I get it. Some people love that about the sport. Like I get it. You would that's that's part of the violence and the passion of the sport. This was not that. And that's what was like that's the scariest part to me is that this just seems like the most unfortunate luck. Mm. Like like we'll find out. I hopefully I I'm surprised at how transparent and incredibly open the Hamlin family has been that they put out this, you know, multi-paragraph statement uh, overnight and today and that his friend and representative was outside the hospital last night talking to reporters you know they they certainly don't have to be that way it's great that they are giving out so much information uh but in the coming days we will hopefully find out was this a pre-existing condition that he had which if you want to go online and search all of this there's so many instances of this in young athletes and that go into cardiac arrest um, there the one of the bigger speculations right now is what was going to happen with this game. The latest from uh, the NFL, they put this out just before our show. So yep. they put out this statement that the Bills and Bengals uh, game in Week 17 is off. It's just completely. It will not be resumed. Not be resumed uh, this week. They're this week, yeah. Right, so yeah. they said the NFL continues to be in regular contact with the medical team caring for Hamlin and also Bills and Bengals organizations and the NFL Players Association after speaking with both teams. And NFLPA leadership, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, formed clubs today that the game will not be resumed this week. The NFL has made no decision regarding the possible resumption of the game at a later date. The league has not made any changes to the Week 18 regular season schedule. So, of course, this has a huge bearing on Sunday's game, Patriots-Bills. Um, I mean, before we get to that, I guess in, in the moments that unfolded right after the injury happened, and we're seeing the reports, the Buffalo reporters on the ground in particular, I think were excellent at uh, describing what, what they could see what was happening on the field in terms of CPR and yeah. the defibrillator and coming out from the ambulance and everything else. Um, how did you feel about the way that the league and that the coaches went about uh, deciding not to resume the game last night? In real time, I, like everybody else, I think was frustrated by the league and how long it seemed to take them to, to call the game. But thinking about it a little bit, and I talk with some people I know who do arena security, and they basically said they had no choice. They had to delay it that long for a couple of reasons. Number one, they had an ambulance that needed to get to a hospital, and if everybody left at the same time, then there's traffic and the ambulance would be stuck in the traffic. So they said that was an important uh, factor right there. The other thing is they need to stage security when everybody leaves because that's all these people going out at the same time, and everybody has to be in place and ready for that to happen. That doesn't just happen. Like You need need people there uh, sort of staging the whole thing. So 
I mean, maybe it still took a long time. I don't know. But I think that uh, for the people who were there watching and uh, the people who were watching at home, there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of angst. I think people just started getting emotional and saying, oh, come on, you got to you gotta call this game, call this game, which they eventually did. It wasn't gross, disgusting, and shameful like a lot of people seem to say it was. <laughs> I mean, it was... It How was can a, they keep this going? Shame on you, Roger Goodell. There was a lot of hyperbole flying around last night. And I think that, you know, in a charged situation like that, that's not unusual. But uh, I didn't I didn't really have a big problem with anything the NFL did except potentially the five-minute thing. And I know they've denied it. I sort of have thoughts on that, too. Maybe they denied it, but I also think this is the plan. This is what you. This is what happens. The NFL, people get seriously injured all the time. Every week, there's a serious injury. And what do they do? They wait five minutes, they throw the ball around, they get back on the field, they finish the game. This is probably what they said. Well, what do we normally do? All right, five minutes, let's do it. And both teams were just like, there's no way. There's no way we're going back out on the field and playing right now after what we just saw happen here. And that's what sort of prevailed. So the five-minute situation, in case anybody is not up to speed on this, in the during the broadcast, it was either Troy Buck or um, Aikman. Joe Buck, Joe, or Buck Troy, or Troy Aikman. Joe Buck or Troy Aikman who said... Troy uh, Bakeman. Troy Bakeman said that, uh, <laughs> said it's that they're going to have a five-minute delay and yeah. then resume play. As we said, they've been given five minutes to quote-unquote get ready to go back to playing. That's the word we get from the league and the word we get from down on the field, but nobody's moving. Then when we got the update that within five minutes these players were going to start playing football again, we saw Zach Taylor live walk across the field to Sean McDermott players were being told that they would have five minutes to get back ready for play okay so that's Aikman yes yeah yeah so that's Aikman so this is from Ian Rappaport uh just after midnight last night this is this is now turned into a controversy that I think we need to get into in a couple minutes. But Ian Rappaport, real quick, he tweeted out, NFL executive Troy Vincent on a call says while he was in constant communication with those involved, quote, neither coach was talking about resuming play. The players weren't. It was really about DeMar. How do you resume play after you've seen such a traumatic event? He followed up with that just 10 minutes later, said, as for the five-minute warm-up that was discussed during the broadcast, NFL executive Troy Vincent says, quote, I'm not sure where that came from. That's insensitive. Says the only focus was on the players and making sure they were okay. So I think we need to get into this five-minute warm-up because it's something that I think uh, are Vincent protests a little too much there too, by the way. Super pissed off about yeah. the fact that it's possible that this guy, I mean, we know he went into cardiac arrest on the field. We don't know if he literally lost his life on the field for seconds or minutes or if he his, he was just in extreme like a life and death day life and death scenario it's hard to say mm. because we don't have the information right now but this 5 minute warm up is something that is really pissing people off we're going to get to that right after trending worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can over think what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply and that's all we were all hoping for was that that damar hamlin was going to get up and that he was going to get on in that ambulance he was going to give us a thumbs up and we were all going to know that he was okay and, and and when that didn't happen 
I think this entire stadium was just devastated. I mean, I mean, right now, all I can really think about is is that player, his teammates, just seeing the agony on their faces, the concern on their faces. They're scared for him right now, and they should mm. be. Uh, we all should be. Uh, but to see them hugging each other, uh, down on their knees, praying for him, his coach, the other team, their head coach, those players, uh, just to see how much unity and and just unified concern that they all had for this young man. Um, it's been overwhelming. There's a pall over the stadium right now. Uh, like you said, Scott, you come to work. We're expecting to see the game of the season. Uh, and what we got was so terrible. That was Lisa Salters from ESPN, uh, obviously getting emotional during that broadcast following when they called off the game. I thought the entire ESPN crew, they were put in kind of an impossible situation last night, kind of had to pivot into news broadcasters rather yeah. than uh, sportscasters. I felt bad for Susie Colbert in I particular. I felt awful for her. Because she, at the very beginning, when they first cut to that like desk and it was Schefter, her, and uh, Booger, she was like, well, what do you have to do to regroup and get back in the game? And both Schefter and Booger were like, they're not getting back into the game. Like, that's, I, I can't even talk about that right now. Didn't you kind of know when they went back to the studio? Like, normally like it again, is just yeah. a five minutes. And when you look up and you realize, oh, they're going back to Susie and Schefter, who's white as a ghost for a good portion of the evening, you're going, oh, this is very different. This this is not normal. And this is actually a very scary situation. Certainly when they go back the second time, yeah, yeah. I think you're assuming that you're going to be in a holding pattern for at least 50 minutes to an hour before they decide whatever programming is going to do. But uh, it was kind of a lose-lose situation for everybody on the broadcast last night. I thought they did a great job, as I said before. I thought Scott Van Pelt, I mean, there's a reason they let that guy move back to Maryland and basically build a studio in Bethesda, Maryland and broadcast out of there instead of living in Bristol, Connecticut, or New York, or L.A., like everybody else from ESPN, unless you're like a Mike Reese Wait, you know, Scott Van Pelt just lives in Maryland yes. and does all the stuff he in Maryland? straight up had kids and was like, I'm from Maryland. Wow. I want to move home. I don't want to live in Connecticut and raise my kids here. And they were like, fine, we'll build you a studio in Bethesda, Maryland, outside Washington, D.C. And that's what he does now. And hmm. he just goes in at midnight and does Sports Center, you know, on Sundays. Interesting. And then you see a situation like last night. Where I told Mike Thomas the same and, thing. That's why I'm moving to Dedham. Oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. I said, I live yeah. in Dedham. I want the studio be in Dedham. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we'll see if that ever happens <laughs> right. when we when we get there. But uh, between him and Ryan Clark last night, I mean, they were both excellent. If you decided to stay up, if you were like me, doom scrolling yourself to sleep last night. But um, let's go to a call real quick. By the way, if you want to weigh in, give us a call at 617-779-7937 about everything that's going on last night, went on last night and the implications going forward, including for your Patriots who are supposed to play the Bills. They had just announced the Week 18 schedule that the Patriots are going to play the Bills at 1 p.m., who knows what's going to happen with that as of right now? No changes from the NFL to Week 18. Here's Nick in Weymouth. Nick, you're on. By the way, that was a pretty stupid statement by them if that's what they're saying. There has to be some interval for the Bills to be to, between playing uh, them in, the, in Cincinnati, whatever. Anyways, um, I find it shocking, but then again, I don't find it shocking, that nobody's talking about the fact that J.J. Uh, Watt had an AFib mm. back in October, right? Uh, this could have very well have happened to him. So I'm wondering, to go back to Hamlin, and of course, uh, prayers to him, um, who, knew, who knew at the time? Could have been a bad concussion, could have been a stroke, 
Could have been a heart attack, right? I'd say those are the three biggest things there, unless he pierced his ribs or something like that, but she didn't. But what I'm saying is, did he have any predisposition with an AFib that caused this, with any kind of hit, running up a set of stairs, whatever? So I hope that as part of their uh, in-season and somewhat off-season preparation uh, for for the activities that they do, uh, they routinely, um, I would imagine, as part of a regular physical, you get you do an EKG or an ECG or whatever, a one timer. But uh, you would think, with the violence that we have, because of the size of the players and the speed that they have, you would think that they would be more routine than that, checking for AFib. So I, I hope that someone does look into that, or what they said they've never seen before. Is, is is getting uh, at a higher probability because of the speed and size of the players. Yeah, well, Nick, I can tell you this, that after Watt had his AFib and had his heart shocked, he played three days later. <laughs> he played against Carolina three days after that, and I remember him saying, "I talk, listen, I talked to every cardiologist, I talked to every doctor, all the team physicians and everybody else, and they all said, go ahead and play. It doesn't make a difference. It's all the same. Once you get it shocked back, uh, if you have an AFib, obviously if you have an irregular heartbeat, you got to get it uh dealt with but once it's dealt with you can you can go play and that's what they told him and that was not just football doctors either i'm sure he talked to you know the best cardiologist arizona has People to offer independent from the right. nfl which is uh, so for there's a lot of medical terminology out there so i just want to be clear with some of this because if you're like me uh you probably don't run into this every single day afib that's atrial fibrillation which means that he had an irregular and often rapid heartbeat. It's basically like a fluttering in your heart, and then it'll speed up a lot, and it'll slow down at times, and it's dangerous even if you're not a professional athlete. It's something you had to get checked out, but it is something that J.J. Watt dealt with. Again, we don't have any more information on if DeMar Hamlin had that, you know, if this was a freak hit, which is if you want to go down, like, the wormhole, the rabbit hole of all these medical conditions of what can happen with a very young person that would cause them to go into cardiac arrest, you can do that. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk to an expert, Dr. Jess Flynn, uh, in a couple hours and get her perspective on what sometimes causes this in younger younger athletes and what the outlook, the prognosis is in different cases. She's not treating him specifically, but we're not going to sit here and say like, oh, I think it's because of that or I think it's because of this because we have no idea. All we have is what they're putting out there, and it seems like, by all accounts, if you have any familiarity with these kind of injuries or situations, it's something that's going to develop over a couple days, if not the next week. Like, we won't know for right now. And I I think I would say that in most of these cases, these guys are checked head-to-toe for pre-existing conditions that could put them into a risk because contrary to what some people believe, um, their coaches and the NFL doesn't want situations like this any more than fans do or the audience does like i know there's a lot of people out there and i've done this in some cases who want the nfl to be like the most evil organization that's ever existed and i'll get into this a little bit with some of the reaction on twitter and they have plenty of evidence if you want to do that but not i'm not sure about here yeah sometimes awful things happen Mm -hmm. when you're when you're playing a physical game like of all of everything that we have right now, of all the evidence that we have right now, that's all it is. Okay? That's what it is right now. It's not T. Higgins' fault. It's not the coach's fault. It doesn't seem like we have no information that there was a pre existing condition that went undiagnosed or ignored. Like, this isn't a Tua's back out there right. five days after he was clearly concussed 
and he's getting another concussion. Like, this is a completely different conversation. Real quick, though, uh, going back to this five-minute warm-up debate. So yes. we heard that broadcast a couple minutes ago from Troy Bakeman, a uh, great broadcaster for ESPN. <laughs> My party guy, Troy Bakeman. As, as I hey, Bakeman's him. here, guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, about how they were, the teams were given, the coaches were given five minutes to warm back up after the long timeout that was given. Well, there was CPR on the field on DeMar Hamlin. There was an ambulance that came out there. And everybody in the moment, I think, had a similar reaction of, are you freaking kidding me? Like five minutes and these guys are going to like stretch out their hammies and get back out on the field. I know. Felt pretty unrealistic. Well, Andrew Marshan from the New York Post, he talked to Troy Aikman today about where that report came from because we have all these conflicting reports now from the NFL saying that five minute delay, that five minute warm up, I should say, was never in play, that that was never a thing. That, that that's what's coming from NFL communications. Do you that, believe them? No. I don't believe them either. So this is what from Troy Aikman, because he's the one who said it, okay? This is from, or at least on his broadcast. This is from Andrew Marshan. He's a media insider with the New York Post. He's tied in with all these broadcast guys, every booth in the country. Mm-hmm. He says after Hamlin was taken to the hospital, there was a point when Buck, sorry, that was Dro- Joe Buck, not Troy Bakeman. Joe Buck said on the air that the teams were told they would have five minutes to warm up. The information about the game resuming, Buck said, came from ESPN's rules expert, John Perry, who was in direct communication with the league. NFL Executive Vice President Troy Vincent later denied the NFL was going to resume the game, but did not say anything in real time. ESPN showed Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow throwing as if he expected the game to continue. Yeah. So over the phone, Joe Buck said, they said they were going to give five minutes of warm-up to these players to get ready. That's what he said to Andrew Marshan. So basically, they go to their ESPN rules expert who is in direct communication with the league who's telling them, okay, this is what you can say on the broadcast in right. terms of this injury. They are asking for every information that they can get about this injury. What can we say about what we're seeing happening on the field? All the players are making that human wall around their teammate because yeah. they want to give him the privacy, privacy and decency that he deserves. And they're on the phone, everybody from ESPN saying, what can we re- relay to the audience? Because we're in this extremely awkward holding pattern of going back and forth between the studio and the field where nobody knows what's happening. So I believe that that came from the league. In real time. Yeah, I think it did too. And I also think that Troy Vincent getting all self-righteous about it was really uh, pretty hilarious. Uh, If you think about all the other serious injuries that have happened, and that's exactly what they've done, right? A serious injury. Guys, you know, not moving on the, uh, he's unconscious. He's, you know, got a concussion. He's wobbly, whatever. He has to get carted off the field. His career may be over. All these things, which, again, are not the same as someone going into cardiac arrest, but that's the way it's always been treated. And I think that that's the way that the NFL initially thought to go. Well, what do we usually do in a situation like this? What do we do when it's a serious injury? We give them five minutes, they warm up, and then they keep it moving, and the the show must go on. Uh, They didn't know what to do. I think it was a fluid situation. They went with what they usually do, realized that's not going to work, and uh, the players and the coaches, I think, sort of forced them to realize that and understand that. Because otherwise, I mean... I think, and it's the NFL. I mean, you don't you don't really expect them to be the most 
compassionate. Compassionate, yeah. yeah. When it comes to a, a thing like that, they'll put out a PSA, and you know, when they get in trouble, they'll apologize for it. But I feel like they're never proactive about stuff like that ever, um, and it reflects in all these terrible scandals that they've had. Um, this isn't one of those yet. But I think that that sort of shows a lot when you think about their instinct, what the initial instinct from the league was. Well, okay, this is really bad, but five minutes, let's get the game going again. Let's get these ads, you know, ad, ad revenue coming out, and let's not, you know, overreact to something here. We don't know what this is. And then they realized, oh, yeah, this is this is about as bad as it could possibly be. Yeah. Again, I'm not one to sit here and defend a lot of the NFL's actions. Mm. Like, I'm a huge fan. I'm a football fan. And so I am going to watch the product pretty much no matter what. Yeah. In this instance, it's an emergency, and you don't know how you're going to function in an emergency, especially when you're a giant organization. But I know some people out there uh, would push back against that. Let's go to Luca in Lowell. Uh, Luca, you're on. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, Luca. Uh, So I'm 19, and this is the fourth time, I want to say, in my life that I have seen an athlete on the brink of or no longer alive on the field. Uh, And in every other instance that I've ever watched, the game or the race was ended essentially immediately. They were, they, I was nine when I watched Dan Weldon die. And they called the race essentially immediately. Uh, Or, there's so many things that went wrong here. And the fact that you have someone getting CPR for nine minutes, you have to call it immediately. They took way too long. The five-minute thing, which I wouldn't put past the NFL and believe that they did, is ridiculous, and someone needs to answer for this And I mean, there's really not a lot more you can say. It's just disgusting. It's despicable. And they got to take a long look in the mirror and see what they really are. All right. I hear you, Luca. And look, in the immediate uh, moment, like I tweeted that, I think after five minutes that that we got the report that mm-hmm. he was getting CPR for nine minutes on the field. It's like, all right, you know, the game is over. Isn't yeah. that when everything kind of changed mentally? <laughs> yeah. The first time Joe Buck said... find out the player isn't breathing on the field? And they're administering CPR. You call the game, guys. You know, oh, that, that doesn't usually happen with a head injury or a neck injury. This is next level serious. Yeah. Now, again, I would like to pretend or I would like to think that the NFL operates the way that Congress does. That it takes so long because there's so many moving pieces and everything. I believe that the NFL does the right thing at the end of the day. That that it takes so long and and that's intentional because you don't want dramatic shifts or something. But it doesn't because at the end of the day, it comes down to Roger Goodell. Right. It comes down to Roger Goodell uh, standing there and saying, you know what? Let's go, guys. Uh, This game's done. Like, there's no way I can ask these players. They're they're in tears. Yeah, and you're wondering what could they possibly be waiting for? What, so, like, what are they still deciding? Is there someone in the room right now saying, no, 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 we got to finish this game? Right, let's go. Could Roger be arguing in the, the for that? Like, could that really be happening? And I want to believe no. I want to believe that there was nobody who would be that callous. Like, as that soon as they found crazy, out what but, was going on, because obviously there's going to be a delay. Like, we all kind of found out when Joe Buck said, well, they're administering CPR. But don't yeah. you think when they see him go down and there's an injury, they're like, all right, typical five minutes. Once they find out that this is actually a much bigger situation, right. protocol goes out the window. You exactly. would think, if just to play devil's advocate. Sure, but they also have to get that ambulance out of there 
and they do have to stage like 65,000 people. The caller brought up uh, uh, Dan Weldon dying. That was in a car wreck. I don't car know wreck. how many people were there, but like I doubt it was 65,000 people. Like that's, you know, that they, they need to do that for the safety of everybody. They have to stage security for that. So I don't know how long that takes, but it, it, something tells me that they knew that they were going to can the game like before they I, made I just, the I don't think it's as simple as making one phone call and everybody's okay, break, and you go off and you handle your, your different departments. I just think I think because of how unprecedented this is. Yeah. And Adam Schefter even said, like, this is stuff that's happened way in the past. Nothing in my lifetime of 30-plus years now, but I've never seen anything like this where there isn't really a, a true protocol that we all know and understand to follow in the first place. It's going to take some time to carry out all these actions. Yeah, I don't know. I the comparisons to a, a driver like Dan Weldon who crashed his car, you know, unfortunately into a fence post. Like I don't think that these are apples to apples comparisons. I'm sorry. Uh, the NFL has never seen anything like this happen in real time. At the same time, I like I, I got to push back on two points. One about the five-minute thing being so incredibly damning. I think that that was a message that was relayed if you believe the broadcasters that that was a message that was relayed from the league mm-hmm. in real time, and that was kind of buffoonery, okay? Like, the other thing I would push back on is that if it wasn't for the coaches and the players taking a stand, that this that they would have been marched back out there on the field. Like, come on. I mean, come on. Are you really that naive? Did any player on the Buffalo Bills sideline looked like they were ready to just warm up for five minutes. To, I mean, like, did Tredavious White look like he was ready to go play football Of course the point? coaches came together and the players went to each other's locker rooms and it's a brotherhood and they said, we are absolutely not going back out on the field. Mm. But do you really think that at the end of the day that they are so freaking callous and stupid, by the way, because people would be disgusted yeah. and a lot of people I think would turn that game off and the whole show today would be about how incredibly disgusting the NFL is instead of a couple calls being about how frustrated people are with the NFL. Like, I, I don't buy that. That That's one of the things that kind of irritated me is seeing people tweet or whatever and be like, if it wasn't for, you know, the coaches and the players, this game would have been would have come back after five minutes. They're the real heroes. Like, I'm, uh, look, it was a devastating, devastating situation. And they... They, the coaches and players acted impeccably. Yeah. Absolutely and supportively. But, Arkan, do you think that they that, that would have been the case? That no. they would have marched back out there? No, I don't think so. And I think that the fact that this game got postponed, like, that never happens. This this sort of thing never happens. Like, first of all, guys don't have cardiac arrest on the field. That never happens either. But the way the NFL reacted and the fact that the game did get suspended and didn't resume is huge. I mean, that's just such a major story. Like, in the NFL, you really don't ever see or hear about stuff like that. Even for really serious injuries, they'll keep playing. And this time they decided, no, 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 we can't do that. I wonder if uh, I wonder if that represents something. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, the NFL's heart grew three sizes that day or anything, not to be, you know, make a joke, but, like, I think that there's, there's something to be said about the way this is being reacted to and how it just seemed like there was no way. There was no way you could go back out there. And everyone sort of agreed. The coaches all agreed. Everyone said, this is this is too much. It was the first quarter. You know, I mean, the game had just started. I do sort of wonder, like, if there was a minute left in the fourth quarter and this had all happened, would they finish the game? Like, 
maybe that would have been different. But in the first quarter, you can't expect anybody to concentrate for three more quarters and play a game. And that's that's different. I mean, that's that's not how this league usually operates. I think that's that's a really big part of all this. Yeah, I mean, just really quickly from a business perspective, like ESPN, it's their one game of the week. Right. All right. It's their broadcast. The NFL, this is one of the prime spots. Like, you're not going to sit there and put a disgusting product out. And by disgusting, I mean forcing the players to come back on the field. Like, I think people are just, I don't know. Do you think the sponsors would have had an issue with that? It's just a narrative to run with that, like, really bothered me. Mm. Like, okay, now, you know, I mean, really, are you going to run then run your medication ads right after that? Like, are you kidding me? I think it was more we got to get the Burger King commercial on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Whopper, 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 Junior, Double, Triple, Whopper, Impossible, or Bacon, Whopper, I rule this day. Now back to the field. Okay, I sang that all break. Anyway, uh, when we come back, somebody has a, from the NFL has a really disgusting take on whose fault last night was. Thanks We're for putting that back. song in my head, Ryan, by the way. You're welcome. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back. Uh, Arkan, some people are upset that we played the Whopper song. Yeah, me. <laughs> I won't apologize. Things has been haunting me day in and out. What that's Whopper a- song? That song reminds me of um, In the Office... When they come up with the new jingle for Dunder Mifflin. You don't Remember? know this about me. I'm not an office person. Oh, you're not? No, oh, you're my not. God. Neither I was Don Darrow. I, I did a whole show with Mark Don Darrow. No, he didn't I, know one reference. I love TV. Like, I watch so Back much TV. Future, nothing. I find The Office so annoying. I know that this is going to be like a horrible take. When I did radio with uh, our now departed friend, Mutt, he hated this about me because I feel like people make The Office 30% of their personality. Like, oh, everything I have in my life goes back to the office. Mm. And this reference from the office, look, you're doing it right now. I am doing it right now, but it was about a commercial, not about my life. Okay. <laughs> Anyone who watches the show knows I'm right, too, by the way. What, so they tried to come up with a jingle They on come the up office. with a Dunder Mifflin jingle, and it's like Daryl on a keyboard, and they're all singing with Is him. it as it's, good as It sounds that like that. It's what it sounds like. All right, let's go to David in the car real quick. David, you're on. Hi. Good afternoon, guys. Hello. On yesterday... <clears throat> Hi. 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 So, so on yesterday's situation, I was watching the game, and I, I could not believe my eyes. I, and the first thing I said to my son we were watching together was, they better not even continue this game. If they do, this is, this is just a disaster. But one of you gentlemen, I, I forget which one made a comment about the sponsors. And, and you nailed it, because that, if that game had gone on yesterday, it would have been because of the sponsors. Because unfortunately, with marketing and sponsors, there's so much money at stake that they want to get their product out there, and, and they're ruthless. It's just how it is. They're ruthless. Yeah, David, so why do you think they cut the commercial so many times? They, they go back to the field. They go back to the studio. We're going to take another quick break. Choice. We'll be right back. It's why do you think they did that? Yeah. They had to fill out their inventory. They had, 
yeah, they, and they had no choice at that point. There was nothing else that they could do. The game's not on, so but that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to compensate for it. But, yeah, I'm glad that that game did not happen. I'm glad, everybody, and I just hope this young man is okay. You know, I, I played a sport. It's not violent like football is. I love football. I really, really do. But it is always a concern when these big hits take place because you just never know. I, it's just you never know. And, and I'm praying for the young man, and I hope he's okay. I hope everything turns out okay and he gets to play again. All right. Thank you, David. I think we're all feeling that way. And that is a big part of it. Like when you go back to criticizing uh, the way that the NFL handled this with the five minute warm up that was called or not called that Mm -hmm. was actually called on the broadcast. Some part of this traumatic injury in this game is routine. We see often. Yeah. And I know it's I know it's not as often that an ambulance gets brought out on the field, but it's not the first time we saw that. I think everything changed when you hear that there's CPR on the field. That's something totally different. Somebody wants to go back in time to uh, talk about the last time that something like that happened. That was Bob on the pike. Bob, you're on. Hello. Hi. Hi. What's Uh, up? Sorry. I don't mean to be insensitive, but, you know, I was watching the game. I was just going to watch one quarter. And uh, then that happened, and I seen all the players, and I mean, I literally was leaking along with the players. But it brought me back, and I had called my brother, he was a doctor, and we got to such a discussing, and we both came to the conclusion it was a cardiac moment for Hamlin. But and we got to talking, and I said, it, I think it happened before, Kev, and... Uh, his wife looked it up while we were on the phone, and it was 1971, and the player's name was Hughes, and he played for the Lions, and he got hit, and it was his first pass for the Lions, and his last, he ended up passing away on the field. Uh, a doctor had to come down and work on him from from the audience. Yeah, all right. Thanks, Bob. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, if you want to look that up, it's the one other time that something of this level of catastrophe has happened in terms of an injury on the field uh that was 1971 but thankfully mm-hmm. times have changed where we don't have to is anybody in the crowd a doctor anybody right. no they actually have you they know, have an ambulance at every they're game. ready to go. somebody asked me that last night like, it's parked it's, it's under the bleachers like, i think it's by under law the they need to have that yeah, yeah. i've walked by it many times uh real quick i do want to do this so bart scott always has something stupid to say and after what happened last night uh he was searching for someone to blame as to why DeMar Hamlin is now in critical condition in a local hospital. What exactly did T. Higgins do last night to Hamlin? Well, right right before the tackle, he lowers his helmet and he kind of throws his body into his chest. He's standing up because he's thinking he's got to take ch- chase T. Higgins at an angle to make a tackle. So he didn't expect T. Higgins to launch his body back into him. You know, it's one of those things that a lot of times you sit as a linebacker, uh, un- unblocked, you know, unengaged, un- un- um, running back comes through the hole and he knows that contact's coming so he lowers his helmet and you can't get underneath him so he's able to get into you and your chest is exposed so they, they, they've taken that out of the game but they don't really regulate it as much as possible I, I, I expect the league would be a lot more vigilant when it comes to that and using that penalty right okay so I don't really know how to interpret that can you transcribe that for me there are can. I know goes that from there was, T. Higgins to his chest was too open and a I think, helmet hit it. I think what he's referring to, the rule he's referring to, was uh, it used to be that if you had the ball and you were running with the ball, you could basically do anything. You could mm-hmm. lead with your head. You could lead. You could do stiff arm. You can do whatever you want. And then they decided that we're going to take that out of the game now. If you even if you have the ball, you can't lead with the crown of your helmet. You can't initiate contact that way. 
he was saying that Higgins went head first into the chest of Hamlin, which I watched. I don't think that's what happened. I think there it was, was a shoulder drive. It looked like he sort of drove into him. Yeah, which you're allowed to do. You're allowed to do that. You can't lead with the head, but I don't think that he did. So I don't know. I don't know what Scott was trying to. What point he was really trying to make there? If he was trying to say that that play should have been penalized. Okay, I mean. Sure, I guess if that's if that's where you want to go with it, I don't think that that's necessarily all that helpful, and I also don't think it's accurate. You can't lead with your head, but they barely ever call that anyway when it's the guy with the ball, and in this case, I don't think that's what he did. So I feel like to give that a generous reading, it's Bart Scott trying to find meaning yeah. in a horrible accident that happened and say that this is something that can be prevented when we have very limited information about the actual uh, medical... I guess, diagnosis and prognosis for DeMar Hamlin. So you can't really say that. Like, you just have to live in the discomfort of bad things happening in a physical game. Let's take one more call. We're going to talk to Ross Tucker in a couple minutes, and then we'll return to this. But uh, let's go to Phil in the car. Phil, you're on. Hi there. Appreciate you taking the call. I hope and pray that that young man not only is going to come back well, He's going to come back as an active player, and fingers are crossed. But I want to say at the same time, even though the NFL is trying to make football safer, I am 79 years old. I've watched and loved it all my life. But I see more tackles with intent to injure or intent to be at the expense of the other team. And that's not a good way of winning. All right, thanks, Phil. Do you agree with that? You see more of that now? I don't see that now. You out of your mind? They had to change the rules. Uh, 20 years ago, like when the Patriots (laughs) dynasty started, football was played very differently. The way that guys in the secondary could hit uh, receivers and, you know, defenseless receivers, that wasn't a thing. Like, you could do pretty much any. That guy's crazy. If you think it's more of that now, I think now it's maybe a little bit more emphasized and it's, you know, they're trying to get it out of the game so they make it seem like it's much worse. They don't celebrate it anymore. They don't celebrate those kind of big hits. Maybe that's what he's talking about. But in terms of the frequency of them, it's not even close. It used to happen every every single game there was a hit like that uh, 20 years ago. It was It was common practice. Yeah, I don't think this is some kind of like epidemic of dirty bad hits. That and this are wasn't even a bad hit. Point. No, yeah. yeah, thank you, thank you for clarifying that. I'm sorry, Bart Scott, I don't think it was. We're I don't gonna, think it was a bad hit by team. any guy. We're gonna talk to Ross Tucker, uh, Odyssey NFL insider, in just a few minutes. Get his take on all of this and dive into the Patriots as well. We'll be right back.